Heritage Foundation. I'm Michelle Cordero. And I'm Emily Vanderbush. And this is Mass Ave. In the aftermath of the tragic murder of 17 innocent students and teachers at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, students, educators, politicians, and activists are all searching for solutions to prevent future school shootings. Meanwhile, even as we were preparing to record this episode, news had just broken of a shooting at a Maryland high school that left two students in critical condition. And good morning. We have breaking news at this hour. Right now, a Maryland high school on lockdown after yet another school shooting. Two people were shot and injured, the gunman dead, in a school shooting in Maryland. Shots were fired inside a Maryland high school today, and the school was put on lockdown. But this time, it appears a school resource officer took action Nearly 20 years separate the Columbine Massacre and these recent tragic events. In those two decades, a lot has been said, but too little has been done to make schools more secure. We all agree that our children and grandchildren deserve to be safe at school. And as we search for ways to make schools safer, it's important to look at the facts about gun violence in America in order to find the right solutions. With this in mind, we sat down with heritage legal scholar John Malcolm to discuss the facts about gun violence in America. John Malcolm is the vice president at the Institute for Constitutional Government and director of the Mies Center for Legal and Judicial Studies at the Heritage Foundation. He is also Heritage's Ed Gilbertson and Sherry Lindbergh Gilbertson Senior Legal Fellow. John has been doing extensive research on the issue of school safety and gun violence in America. John and his colleague Amy Swearer recently wrote a piece entitled Eight Stubborn Facts About Gun Violence in America. We based our episode on this work. John, thanks for joining us today. Glad to be with you. You and your colleague Amy Swearer recently wrote an op-ed on the Daily Signal that went viral, and in it you list eight stubborn facts about gun violence in America. We wanted to run through some of those with you. Sure. The first one you list as America is relatively safe and the trend is toward becoming safer. What does that mean? Well, although there have been some recent spikes in violence in some urban areas like Baltimore and Memphis and Chicago, over the last two decades, violent crime rates in this country have actually been dropping uh, fairly dramatically. And I would add, by the way, uh, over that same time period, gun ownership has increased in this country. And the second one is the principal public safety concerns are suicides and illegally owned handguns. Yeah. So whenever people talk about deaths related to the use of firearms, it's important to keep in mind that two-thirds of those deaths are suicides. Uh, Now, they have their own uh, set of complicating factors about the relationship between guns and people who commit suicide. But when you're worried about your safety walking down the street or your safety in setting your your child to school, you're not thinking about somebody who was going to commit suicide with a uh, a firearm. Uh, And in general, about 80 percent or up to 80 percent of gun-related violence uh, is committed by people using guns that were obtained illegally. Uh, And I would also add for that matter, it's overwhelmingly handguns and not not semi-automatic rifles like an AR-15. So the third one, I think I might need a little bit more of an explanation on. It says a small number of factors significantly increase the likelihood that a person will be a victim of a gun-related homicide. Uh, what are those factors? Are I'm assuming this means they're limited. Um, 
Sure. So while people are understandably very concerned about the shootings that have taken place in schools mm-hmm. today at a, at a school in Maryland, uh, you know, there's a lot more crime that takes place in isolated uh, urban areas. So about 50 percent of the murders that are committed in this country actually occur in about 2 percent of the counties in this country and usually only within particular pockets uh, in those counties. A lot of this uh, is related to drug activity and, and gang activity uh, and unfortunately also people who are involved in uh, violent domestic uh, you know, domestic arrangements. And kind of tagging off of that, then the fourth one you say, the perpetration of gun-related murders is often carried out by predictable people. What are some of the what are some of the common factors? Well, one of them is if you are a drug dealer or a member right. of a gang, uh, the odds of your being of, be, of perpetrating or being hurt by uh, uh, gun violence go up dramatically. If you are involved in an, in an abusive domestic relationship, uh, that's a real risk factor. And then with respect to mass shooters in particular, but also other kinds of shooters, and certainly people who commit suicide, uh, a lot of these people are suffering from severe. Uh, mental illnesses. In the case of people who commit suicide, it's often major depressions. Uh, in, the pace, in the case of people who are mass shooters, uh, they're either in, in incredibly depressed or more likely schizophrenic or psychotic. So looking more to gun ownership, and you kind of spoke to that a little bit earlier as well, but your fifth fact is higher rates of gun ownership are not associated with higher rates of violent crime. Yeah, no, you can see that in a lot of uh, a lot of areas. You know, mm-hmm. in this country, for instance, uh, per capita gun ownership of, of legally obtained firearms is much higher uh, in rural and suburban areas than it is uh, in urban areas. The murder rate is much higher in urban areas than it is in rural and suburban uh, areas. Uh, they have some countries with very very strict uh, gun control, like Brazil, Russia, Mexico, where violent crime rates and murder rates are much higher than in this country. There are some countries like Israel and Switzerland where a huge percentage of the adult population uh, carries firearms. Draft-eligible people in Israel uh, pretty much all have firearms. Granted, it's for a purpose of confronting terrorists, but nonetheless, they have firearms. They keep their firearms, and the uh, you know the per capita homicide rate due to firearm use is dramatically lower in Switzerland and Israel than it is in this country. So speaking of gun control, number six, there is no clear relationship between strict gun control legislation and homicide or violent crime rates. Yeah, well, I just mentioned with respect to other countries like Brazil and Mexico and Russia, but even uh, in in this country. So you have some uh, urban areas like Chicago that have the strictest gun control really of just about anywhere in the country, a very, very high uh, you know, violent crime and homicide rates involving the use of firearms. You have some states like Vermont, New Hampshire, Idaho, Oregon, rich hunting uh, culture, sport shooting a culture. And of course, they have needs for self-defense as well, a very, very high per capita uh, a, a gun ownership, relatively uh, looser gun control laws. And they have some of the lowest levels of violence uh, in the country. So you also say that legally owned firearms are used for lawful purposes much more often than they are used to commit crimes or suicide. What are legally armed, or legally owned firearms typically used for? Well, legally owned firearms, I mean, again, most of the murders are taking place at roughly 80 percent right. of the time with illegally owned firearms. Right. Uh, gun control laws typically will uh, – you know, they're followed by law-abiding citizens, those people who are drug dealers or people intent on mayhem 
Uh, if they're going to commit those serious crimes, they're not going to be paying very much attention to uh, to gun control laws. They'll either purchase guns on the black market or they'll use straw purchasers or things uh, uh, things like that. Uh, it's a fact that uh, you know citizens in this country use firearms for lawful self you know legitimate self defense purposes hundreds of thousands of times uh, each year. I didn't grow up around uh, around guns. I'm from the Northeast and. I don't own a gun, uh, but I have a lot of friends, particularly from my time in the South, uh, who own firearms and, and many of them have told me on a number of occasions where they have stopped crimes from taking place or stopped intruders from entering their homes. Unfortunately, uh, they didn't have to use their firearm, but they brandished a firearm and that was enough to uh, stop the criminal conduct that was ongoing. And your eighth and final point is concealed carry permit holders are not the problem, but they may be part of the solution. Yeah, look, concealed uh, carry permit holders are some of the most law-abiding citizens in the country. A number of uh, states require them to receive special training before they can get concealed uh, carry permits. You know, there have been a lot of data that show uh, in areas with uh, where there's a high percentage of people who actually have concealed carry permits that crime rates are relatively uh, are relatively low. Uh, and you know, there's a, a a reason for that. I mean, they are able to. Uh, to defend themselves. I mean, you know, look, usually when somebody enters your home or they're intent on mayhem, something is going to happen in a very short period of time. Even if you have a model police force, the police are not going to get there until after the incident has happened. Now, they may be pretty good about getting there and gathering evidence and figuring out who killed you, but you're nonetheless dead. Uh, At least if you have a firearm, you've got a fighting chance. Now, again, I just said I don't own a firearm. Nonetheless, I am not going to post in my window that my home is a gun-free home. So speaking of solutions, before we wrap up the interview, do you have a couple of solutions when we're looking at you know, school safety and gun violence. What are some of the solutions that Heritage is proposing for dealing with these problems? Well, certainly in terms of school safety, I think you need to to work closely with the school and the community to implement what makes sense. Uh, in a number of cases, it might be hiring more armed guards, school security officers, like the school resource officer today in Maryland who killed uh, an active shooter before he could uh, take more lives. Uh, you can improve the infrastructure of schools, cameras, internal locks, uh, perhaps in, in uh, high crime areas, magnetometers or bulletproof uh, glass. And, you know, look, uh, and as a last resort, uh, really a last line of defense, uh, states can consider giving certain you know, s- carefully selected volunteers who are qualified and you know, willing to undergo training and recertification. They can consider arming teachers uh, who certainly – you know, want to protect their kids. Uh, bad things can certainly happen uh, with firearms anytime anybody has them. But I would note that a number of states have allowed uh, their teachers with that special training to carry uh, concealed carry in, in schools, and they haven't had any bad incidents in those schools. Well, thanks so much for joining us today to discuss this topic. Great to be with you. And that's it for this episode of Mass Ave. To find more resources from the Heritage Foundation on the topic of school safety and gun violence, you can visit heritage.org slash school safety. We'll also link to it in our show notes. If you like today's podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, don't forget to leave us a comment on Facebook or iTunes and let us know what you think. Mass Ave is produced by Michelle Cordero and Emily Vanderbush with editing by Thalia Rampersad.